Yo. Yo. <laughs> when we starting? Now. Was the yo the official start? That was the. the, the I yo, think that's a good way to bring it back. No, I yeah, think yeah, that's yeah, a good yeah. way to bring it back. Yo, I yo, mean, turn I, my headphones up. I'll, I'll, uh, you'll, I'll kick us off to start the recording of the pod. But we are live on YouTube. We are live on Twitch. Let me retweet and make sure folks can uh, join us if they'd like to talk about the Nets. I mean, we did just finish talking about how people should join the lives to get the behind-the-scenes look. I think it's funny that I mentioned that, and then right as we go live, <laughs> Dylan's like, yo, when we starting? <laughs> I'm telling you, last year it was like people were like rushing me. I'm like, bro, I do this on my own. I go live so you guys can see that I'm here while I'm putting it together. But, okay, now we'll start the show. Well, for like but the you next were, we'll You were doing that alone, two. though. Yeah. Right. When, you, when you're doing the show alone, it's like it's, – it, just it wanted was, some company. Yeah, it was my way of being like, hey, what's up, guys? I'm in my room now. I'm about to start the show. <laughs> okay, now, now we'll actually start the show so we don't waste my co-host time or uh, anybody else's time. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, yes, sir, talking nets. We are back. Episode 165, there's already been 164 episodes. Keith McPherson, Hudson Flynn, Robin Lumberg, my two new co-hosts, so we have to do some intros. Uh, I think we start with Robin first, since Robin is the newest and most famous and most established and credible person on this podcast. Robin, tell us uh, when you became a Nets fan or when you started covering the Nets or having an interest in the Nets. And then, uh, you know, how you became a part of Talking Nets. All right. You know, the origin story. Here we go. I'll try to, to make this as brief as possible while still laying all the context. Because I've gotten a lot of heat from people on Twitter about this in the past. So basically, I go to college at University of Maryland. Interned for Around the Horn. Gets me a job in New York. Whoa. I'm sorry. I don't mean to cut you off. I don't mean to cut you <laughs> off. Yeah. But longtime fans of the podcast know that I'm a, I'm a big, big Terps fan. Oh, yeah, yeah. I was there 2000 to 2004. They, they, they haven't been good since I left, so I don't know if that's a coincidence or not. But anyway. But not to interrupt. Go right ahead. I go to New York, and you know, I work my way through the scene and eventually get myself into New York Sports Talk Radio. And I'm a lifelong NBA fan. Always been my, my favorite basketball, right? Um, but I, I grew up right outside of Philadelphia and then moved to Maryland when I was 12 and then New York. So I never had these roots of like a team. That was mine. You know, I, I sort of liked the Philly area teams when I was growing up, but then I moved to where they root for the, you know, commanders formerly known as another team when I was kind of liking the Eagles at that point in time. And my dad wasn't hardcore. So I didn't have any of these like hardcore team, you know, into my blood kind of deals. So I, I get to New York sports talk and no one's ever talking about basketball, you know, and I'm like, New York loves basketball. In fact, I think New York wants to be a basketball town more than anything else. The teams just won't let it. And, and at that time, the team just wouldn't let it happen. So I start to try to will the Knicks to be good. In fact, I was doing Max Kellerman's show at the time. I was like the, the sidekick and producer. And we did a bit um, when they were trying to get LeBron where we were rooting for the New York Cavs of Cleveland. We even had Mike Brown on oh, as a weekly spot on that show when he was coaching the, the Cavs, and he was the New York Cavs of Cleveland coach. I would go in their locker room when they were there on, on, on road games at MSG to talk to New York Cavs of Cleveland players. So basically trying to will the Knicks to be good. And I would rationalize all these uh, Isaiah Thomas moves like, Eddie Curry, he's got 15 points or more in, in 10 straight games, you know, or something like that. 
So I'm just trying to will them to be good, and and I'm around them a lot, so I see some of the dysfunction. It's almost like you ever see the the old cartoons with Wiley Coyote, where a little black rain cloud would follow him wherever he goes. Like it felt like that's what it was like when you're covering the Knicks. You'd, you'd move to one spot. Some of these young guys have no idea. But... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm, there's I'm dating myself, about. right? Yeah, you, you might as well. Is that was that done by Pixar? No, then I, I've never seen it. Um, so basically, insanity happens, and then all of a sudden, there's the the black cloud that comes over it. And when the Nets go to Brooklyn, and this is going to sound lame, but it's the truth. I am one of the foremost Jay-Z scholars on the planet, right? So I have a, an interest in it from a curiosity standpoint, in part because he was the figurehead for it. I know that was just marketing. But then I'm like, oh, there's competition for the Knicks, and there's going to be this rivalry. So I start building up and drumming up that rivalry. And then after a few years and, and beating, being beaten down by the Knicks further, and I see what the Nets do post the KG Pierce trade. You know, because they, they basically the, the way I, I put it is that they um, were emerging from a bomb shelter and rebuilt civilization. Right. Because they had lost all their assets. They had nothing. And the fact that they then fielded a competitive team that D'Angelo Russell year that year also coincides to when I have some young children and I'm going, you know, I've always been an NBA fan. I, I kind of always was feeling the Nets vibe and, and their color schemes and and all that sort of stuff. I'm just going to go all in. I'm just going to go all in. I made a public announcement. I am now a Nets fan from here on out. I, I made the pitch for KD to sign with the Nets as to why he should sign with the Nets over other places. And then, you know, I, I, I've been going ever since. As far as joining the podcast, it really, sometimes it's just the way it works. Keith DM me. He DM me. He was like, yo, uh, you know, are you doing any podcasts right now? We, we met up. Um, well, we, we virtually met up and, you know, I like the cut of his jib. And then uh, we, we eventually met up in person. And here I am in, in one of these three boxes. Awesome. And at this point, if you're listening to this podcast on the old feed, stop, search Talking Nets, and join us on the new feed because this part of the podcast is going to end. Cut. Okay. Now Hudson Flynn, who was on probably 100 episodes or more, tell the folks, about yourself, what you've been up to, and how you came back in to talking next. Yeah, so I think I think 115. I think 115 is actually the number because after after I left uh, talking nets, after it was you know almost kind of just infeasible for me to keep keep going on with it. Uh, longtime fans may know uh, I was finishing out college, um, and that stuff you know got got hectic. Life stuff, job stuff, everybody else knows how it goes. No reason to get uh, too deep into that. I, I look back and I, I did this pretty frequently uh, and just thought about it and, and maybe listened to a couple old episodes and just to enjoy the journey uh, of Talking Nets because it, it was a journey. We came to this team before Kevin Durant uh, was even suiting up for the Nets when he was still deep in the depths of his injury. We, we, you know, suffered through that season. We suffered through the bubble. And we finally get through one full season where everyone's supposed to be healthy. The Harden trade happens. Everything's supposed to be going on the right track. And funnily enough, I think I'm picking up the history of the Nets uh, right from where Robin left it. Uh, and we come to getting knocked out of the postseason. We all remember Kevin Durant, size, you know, what, whatever, 12 and a half shoe, just one size too big, whatever it ended up being. And the Nets are knocked out. I end up leaving the podcast. And 
I never liked it. I never liked being gone. But honestly, the Nets weren't weren't the most fun team in the world last season. And I was I was sad to see that as a Nets fan. And I was also sad to see Keith doing the podcast alone and doing all this great work to keep it alive. And, you know, now comes to me saying that I'm so grateful that he did, because honestly, just a few weeks ago and, you know, obviously, you know, talking Nets has become something uh, different. We're we're working with other companies now. All of that stuff is big changes, but as things often happen, it came together really quickly. Uh, just a few weeks ago, Keith reached out to me, and obviously he, he did the same to Robin and was just like, hey, we built this. We, we put this together. We, we spent all of these hours clipping games, doing podcasts when nobody was listening to build it to the point where now we can really, we can really make it happen. And I don't want to spend too much time harping on that, but I do want to say along with I'm sure the rest of the people that are listening to this episode, if it's not your first time, you know, thank you to Keith for keeping it going so that it could it could be built to this point where, you know, I'm back on it. We have Robin in and we're ready to watch the Nets in, you know, in this season where we think we think it could finally happen, where we have our our high hopes and uh, high expectations. And and we think this this could finally uh, be the Nets year. They didn't believe in us. God did. Uh, Hope did. I, I got to tie <laughs> it back to this. <laughs> I mean, uh, I feel like the intros are important and, and background and context and all of those things are important, right? I listen to podcasts. I'm a fan of a lot of people. I'm a fan of Hudson Flynn. I'm a fan of Robin Lumberg. And uh, when Talking Nets finished, or at least when Talking Nets ended last season, the Nets got swept. And uh, that was April. And we were going into baseball season where – most of you that listen to Talking Nets know I have a job that is very deep in baseball and also another job with the Yankees. So, like, I had to make a decision, right? I ended up being on MLB Network three, four times a week. I ended up being on WFAN every night um, covering the Yankees. And once the Nets got swept, I had a decision to make. I had owned this brand. I had built this brand with Hudson and, uh, you know, for – the community really like the, the fans, the Nets fans that reached out to me, like talking Nets canon. It's my favorite podcast for the people that supported us from 2019, 2020 uh, bubble season. And then uh, the big three scary hours. And then even last year through the whole vaccine mandate and the Kyrie stuff, and then KD's injury, then the Ben Simmons Harden trade. Uh, I kind of limped through last season, but did get to the finish line. And getting to the finish line, I had a decision to make about what to do with this. Do I scrap it or do I kind of put it on hold? I, I put it on hold. I, I I froze it. You know how you have like a, a gym membership. You can freeze your account. I froze the account. I froze the YouTube, the podcast, and uh, all the social channels. I didn't delete them. I, I just kept them until I could figure out how to bring the show back. And um we don't have to get too deep into it, but you need to know that this is not a John Boy Media production. This has nothing to do with John Boy, has nothing to do with John Boy Media, but that's where we started, right? The name Talking Nets came out of Talking Yanks, Talking Knicks, Talking Giants, Talking Baseball. The John Boy Media people that are listening understand. Um, I left the company a year ago. Hudson left the company a year ago, but we brought Talking Nets with us and we we kept the name. And now this is going to be produced by Odyssey, which is the company that I work for under WFAN. So if you're listening, that is the background and context of 
you know, who you're listening to, what this show um, or where the show came from, what the show uh, had to go through to get to here. And I think that's enough of the intros. We just smoked the first like 15, 20 minutes on that. So without further ado, let's get into it. And I'm sure as we do more episodes, you know, more information will come. And, you know, you guys that are already in the chat, you guys know the deal. Let's start off with opening night. I'm wearing my free Brooklyn Nets, the Brooklyn Way, year 10. Does it have a 10 on it? It does. Year 10. I also have my year 10 Brooklyn um, towel from practice in the park. Practice in the park was cool. It was just too many people. I don't think they were ready for that. But, fellas, let's speak on opening night and uh, share, you know, your experience, whatever you saw in the arena and what you saw from the game. But we won't spend too much time on the game because that game is a game that you forget. It's the first game of the year. Clearly, the Nets weren't ready for the Pelicans. But I'll say the environment was great. 10 years in Brooklyn, Nets fans do exist. There are a ton of Nets fans. There are young Nets fans that started going to see Nets games when they were seven or eight. Now they're 17, 18 years old and older. And uh, to see all the fans come out excited about this season was great. Um, and I think the Brooklyn Nets did a good job presenting everything. They just weren't ready to compete. And you got Zion Williamson and CJ McCollum and uh, Brandon Ingram and those guys coming in, blowing their doors off. Uh, it was never a game. They had a little bit of time at the end of the first half where they started to pull it, uh, you know, within striking distance. I think they were down by eight at half, but they got blown out in the second half. What did, what did you guys see? I left that game in the fourth to get back to WFAN. Let's go to Robin. Robin, tell us what you thought about night one, game one, opening night in Brooklyn. Yeah, twofold. One, the, the whole notion that nobody cares about the Nets couldn't be further from the truth. Right. Like that is is rubbish because they're all that gets talked about. They're probably the most prominent team in the NBA at this moment, maybe other than the Lakers right now because of LeBron and the the struggles that are going on there. But when when you talk about the fan base and and everything and as it's come up, you have the OG Nets fans like that's a a contingent. You have the, the Brooklyn fans who jumped on because of Brooklyn. Then you have the young fans who have grown up. But the whole Nets world thing is important. Because the, the Nets are beyond a local team. They are now a global team when you talk about star power. When you talk about anecdotally, just being out on the street, the amount of Nets gear you might see relative to, to Knicks gear and the like. So that's part one. And, and I do think that is a growing thing that, that can be capitalized on and, and could really go over the top this year, depending on how things turn out. Number two, I was terrified. If I'm being if I'm being real about it, I was terrified because <laughs> I, I meet you guys for the first time. Right. I decide I'm going to do this. And then the Nets just get the doors blown off them and they haven't done enough. You know, I'm done with the whole hypothetical champs like you got to show and prove now. Right. So they haven't earned the benefit of the doubt for me at this point. They have to earn that. So when they get blown out, I'm I'm going, oh, no, oh, no. You know, is this going to be a disaster of a season? Is KD going to ask for a trade again? Is Kyrie going to go like, oh, you know, I, I need, you know, two weeks of PTO. Ben so Simmons take- fouled out yeah. before the fourth quarter. <laughs> so I, I'm that's what's going on in the back of my head. I'm like, hey, Keith, nice to meet you. Oh, no, 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 no. <laughs> and some background. So um, uh, no one claimed the WFAN suite. I claimed the WFAN suite. I had Robin and Hudson come to the suite. And that's where we shot the video saying talking Nets is back. It wasn't the greatest game. But like I say, you, you flush that game down the toilet. You move on. You forget it ever happened. Hudson, what were you feeling uh, watching your new Brooklyn Nets come out there and not look like they were well coached at all? 
disappointed. Disappointed. I think I think I think my my first take was boy, I was never a part of the fire the coach crowd, you know, Steve Nash needs to go, but boy, not ideal. Not an ideal start, but like Keith said, it's it's the kind of thing where you have to you have to take a bigger picture. The Nets are going to play 82 games this season. They're not going to be so bogged down by this one loss. At the end of the day, it's just going to be a plus one in the loss column. I'm not about the hyperbolic reactions after one game. I'm not about digging so deep into the stats. Honestly, to me, it was a wash. But honestly, I felt similarly to Robin. I thought, are uh, maybe am I the problem? Is coming back to talking Nets gonna gonna cause gonna cause some sort of you know cosmic justice coming down onto the Nets? Are they gonna are they gonna lose because of me? Is is talking Nets a mistake? Uh, and then I snapped my head out of that pretty quickly because I realized that was uh, not a very productive line of thought. Uh, and then honestly, I just thought from a basketball perspective, it showed how important the Nets having their complete roster is, right? Of course, we're down in that game. Joe Harris, Seth Curry, and TJ Warren. Uh, obviously, we're going to talk about uh, Friday where Joe Harris does end up playing. But you could see, you could see it on the court. And I remember one of the first, you know, real basketball conversations Robin and I had was talking about how there was a lack of spacing, about how everyone was clogging the floor, about when how when you had Nick Claxton, who who did have a good game on the boards, and Ben Simmons uh, on the court at the same time, it, it clogs the middle, it clogs the paint, and you can't you can't have that with the way the Nets play. But that's something that needs to be solved. Maybe a, a bigger thing to look out for. But honestly, my 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 biggest takeaway was just uh, happy to be back, happy to be back in Barclays, happy to be back talking about the Nets, even if it's uh, not too fun of a game. Yeah, and we just had uh, Henry Hall in the chat say, uh, I know Keith is side-eyeing the Yankee game. Yeah, Yankees are actually up 2-0, but they're down 3-0 in the series, so I'm not too worried about that Yankee game going on right now. Coincidence, game one of this series, the uh, American League Championship Series, was the same night as opening night in Brooklyn. I, of course, chose to go to the live game. The Yankees were in Houston. I was in the suite, had it on the TV there. Uh, I'll say this, you know, there was a lot of talk about, you know, what this Nets team would look like. I went to media day and uh, the first thing I thought was, wow, that, you know, they, they're they a little bit deeper than I realized. They have a few guys. There's some talent on this roster. This roster might be better than the rosters have been in the past few years of this KD and Kyrie era. They didn't blow it up, um, but Rome wasn't built in a day. That's a cliche. Uh, I think that they are going to need reps and practice. Uh, this is a new team playing together. Um, what I would say about the first game, you know, they got smoked. I think the Pelicans are more of a complete team. They were a playoff team last year. And then you add Zion Williamson, who scored 25 for them. Brandon Ingram had 28. McCollum had 21. Trey Murphy had 16. They were having their way with the Nets. You get 32 from Kevin Durant. Okay, wasn't enough, obviously. 16 from Patty Mills off the bench. And then you get 15 from Kyrie, 13 from Nick Claxton. Claxton looked good that first night, and I think that's a good way to segue into game number two, Friday night. Friday night live, you get the Toronto Raptors, another playoff team from last year, another team that I looked at as more of a cohesive unit, a good head coach, and Nick Nurse. So I'm looking at the Nets, and I'm thinking, okay, uh, they lost that first game. If they lose this second game, 
then there's going to be some panic, right? I'm, I'm looking at the Nets like they can't lose the second game, but there's a chance that they could lose the second game because of the opponent that they're facing. In my mind, I thought they were more of a finished product, but it's early on in the NBA season. Uh, what were you guys thinking the second game? Friday Night Live, they got the Joe Harris T-shirts. We learned that Joe Harris is going to be activated and that he's going to play and the Nets needed to bounce back, and they did. Well, you know, first of all, if you're side-eyeing the Yankees and you still want to go, you could probably get tickets for $5 at this point. So, you know, right, right after <laughs> I don't pay for tickets head, anymore. Head up there. <laughs> uh, but, you know, when you talk about that game, Hudson brought it up before, and, and he said uh, you don't get hyperbolic this early in the NBA season. And that is correct. It's an 82-game season. It is a grind, right? But for the Nets, that was as massive a win as I think it gets in game two because of what I said before about this team not proving it has a chin, not spiraling out of control, not starting the Steve Nash, you know, fire rumors after after two games of the season. Not everybody saying, you know, Ben Simmons is a bum and, and, and is adding nothing to the team. So that was a, a big win just from a deep breath standpoint. As far as from a, a tangible standpoint, the Nick Claxton thing, that could be a revelation. I mean, that guy. I, played- I think he's 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 here. He's here. Young Clax, young Clax. He played like a stud. You know, not not just the 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 defense, but the in transition, the euro step, and not just that he tried a euro step, but that he went up strong to finish. You know, the the confidence to finish. And never seen shoot. him look like that before. Never seen him play like that before, honestly. And he's missing free throws, but the good thing about it is he kept taking it to the rack. So like he wasn't worried about missing the free throws. So I think between that, the fact that Ben played a lot better. In that game, uh, they won despite the fact that Kevin Durant did not play well at all, I don't think, in that game. And then from Kyrie Irving thus far, Kyrie Irving needs a disclaimer like uh, Apple instructions or when you sign off for Apple, you know, that you got the long disclaimer. But so far, so good as far as both Kyrie's attitude and, and the level of um, effort he's shown on the court. And, and when he's locked in, you know, Kyrie's good enough where when he's locked in, it doesn't matter who's on the court with him. You could, you could sit there and watch and go, oh, that's the best guy. Yeah. Let me add a couple things before Hudson goes. Uh, Kyrie, of course, going back to opening night, uses his platform. And uh, he welcomes everyone to Barclays Center, and he calls out the president of the United States and says, POTUS, do your job. Bring our, si- our sister Brittany Griner home. Okay, Kyrie. Um, good point. I wasn't expecting that. But with Kyrie, like Robin saying, you know, the disclaimer, like you, you know what you're getting. You know Kyrie is going to use his platform. Um, he didn't have a good game that night. He came back and had a good game the second night. Nick Claxton. Let's think about Nick Claxton as far as how his his season started last year. He's a different guy. He, he cut the dreads. He's got the clean cut now. Last year, he skipped summer league, and the coaches were mad at him about that. The organization was mad at him about that. We heard he was partying. Uh, he was out with James Harden, and he was sick. Remember that? He, he just was randomly sick. They said he had mono or – something else he missed a bunch of time um from conditioning as well he he wasn't in shape man maybe last season especially going out the way that the nets did um relying on him and him missing free throws maybe that was what this kid needed his mentality looks different his approach looks different and uh maybe the nets didn't make a move to bring another five in here another big in here because they have faith in nick claxton from what he's shown them over the summer i think it's going to bode well and like robin said KD didn't have his best game, 
But the best part of that game was that when KD sat down, the Nets rose up. They didn't they didn't wilt. They didn't fall back because KD wasn't out there. They actually made a run. And Nick Claxton was a big part of that. Hudson, you got it. Yeah, I think that's that's a great segue to one of the comments I had. Last season, we saw one of the major issues with the Nets was just not even asking, demanding that KD carry the Nets and that that be the be-all, end-all. And KD is a player who is capable of doing that, of course, but that was one of his major gripes with the Nets last season. When he wasn't on, the Nets would lose 100% of the time, and he had to be you know, all-world, 100% KD uh, for the Nets to win games. And for that to not be the case in the second game of the season – uh, when we faced some serious adversity, and I know it's not a Nets point, but one of the major things I have to talk about is Pascal Siakam. Uh, he he is on he is on some other level, and he's been a player. I remember thinking all the way back to the bubble, the way Pascal destroyed us. Uh, Thirty-seven points, triple double is 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 nothing to nothing to to shake Spicy your fist P. at. It it was it was it was serious seeing him play like that. I, I expect them. I feel like they're one of those teams that are always there in the Raptors that are always competing, always around. I expect something from them this year, but you know, moving back to the nets, I think that type of resiliency is something that the nets need uh, to be able to see one of your best players, not really get it going. And quite frankly, Katie looked horrendous. He was airballing shots. He was, he was, he was, He's been too weak terrible. with the basketball. He has been. You're right. And honestly, you said that going into the game, you said in the preseason, you know, his handle was looking a little loose. He wasn't going up strong. I was like, well, it's a preseason. You know, we'll, we'll see what happens. He he kept it up in the last two games. And it's not the kind of thing where I'm thinking that it's going to be a consistent issue. But to see the Nets fight through that is, is to me, it is huge. And, you know, we love Kyrie. We love, uh, you know, the, the production he put up. I, I love Claxton. But rather than, than hitting on points that have already been hit, I'm going to cycle back to one other thing I said seeing Joe Harris come back to, for him to be on the floor. Um, obviously he played a little bit in the preseason. He, he was out with a very serious injury. Uh, hadn't played uh, a regular season NBA game in, in quite some time. And to even see him back out on the floor to hear the response he got from the crowd uh, when he hit his first three, I thought that was, I thought that was amazing. And I'm always someone who's going to be uh, attracted to those, those types of storylines, whether it's, KD coming back from injury, Kyrie facing adversity, XYZ. I, I, I love it for Joe Harris. And he's, uh, I believe, the last player of the, uh, as we call them, old longest, regime Nets. Yep. Longest tenured longest, Net. He's longest the last tenured, one. Tenured Net. I like that. I like the culture guy. He may not be the loudest guy in the huddle. He may not be uh, the most flashy, showy guy in the NBA. My favorite Joe Harris anecdote is walking behind him down the stairs at a Barclays Center uh, season <laughs> ticket holder event. And uh, me being the same height as him, you know, not really seeing like a big guy, didn't really think much of it. Just thought he was another white guy. Um, you thought he was uh, a barista I, or something? I did. Yeah. I did. I was like, I, didn't I was like him either. He was just kind of in the mix right. with everybody. I was like, very, very cool beard. Nobody noticed him. He was mm. he, it, he people were as likely to come <laughs> up to me to say something about being on the Nets as, as, as they were to say something to him. But I love seeing him back on the floor. And I think that 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 bodes well, his his type of recovery, the way he's come back and you know, all signs point to lasting, a lasting comeback. Uh, bodes well for TJ Warren, uh, someone on the Nets who is obviously struggling with, you know, pretty pretty killer back-to-back injuries. Uh, I have a lot of faith in the Nets training staff. I have a lot of faith uh, in that. And I think should the Nets be all the way healthy, and that's not something that you can bank on or even assume will happen in the NBA, uh, I'm expecting I'm expecting some great things. And, and uh, positive returns are, uh, are, early returns are positive. 
can, can I just ask why you have faith in the Nets training staff? Just because uh, I keep remembering them make these announcements like, oh, no, no, no setback. Then the guy's out for the season. And Jeremy Lin's hamstring. You know, I that- have no faith in what they do. I, I, don't I, I don't have I don't I will say two things. First off, I won't I do not have any faith in what the Nets say to the public okay. at all. Um, whoever whoever is running Nets PR is is a uh, is a uh, is someone who who definitely doesn't really have too much of a faithfulness in the truth. Uh, i i think who it is (laughs) i and that's not a personal criticism i I, i'm not i'm sure it's not them won't take it personal (laughs) yeah 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 Uh, but what i i have faith in i mean the actual returns that we've seen and 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 i i still do hold quite a bit of of admiration for what they were able to do with kevin durant's injury uh and thinking back to that thinking back to boy and and i we you know persona non grata I do listen to Stephen A. Smith when what he has to say every once in a while, because I think it's funny, uh, the outlandish takes. And I remember him saying that he put it on 10% that Kevin Durant was going to be able to come back from his injury at 100%. And seeing the season Katie put up after injury, that 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 gives him a lot of clout in my head, if I'm completely honest. And so I, 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 I'm, I'm holding on to that, and I am uh, the forever optimist. And, and, I, and I will say that I think I think there's – there's a chance for them to prove themselves right after some some pretty fair debacles the last season. Well, TJ Warren would give him a third guy who could create his own shot, right? Like that would be a, a big exactly. addition there. Exactly. I, I see Champagne Poppy in the, the chat. It's a, probably a different Champagne Poppy that, that I'm used to seeing online. But he, he said something about O'Neal fire. That's one player we didn't mention. And that's um, a sign of, of trust on that play. The fact that Kyrie trusted him, I, I think O'Neal even turned to him and said, you know, I told you, I told you, you know, like rewarding the fact that he, he threw him the, the basketball. That's the kind of thing. He wasn't having a good shooting night. If I go back to the box score, I think that was his first, that was his first three he made. And he had one, he was one of six before that shot. So yeah, that's trust right there. You're not, you're not the hot hand, but I love that too. The Nets have been moving the ball. The ball movement already you can see is different without a James Harden or without a Bruce Brown. No offense to Bruce Brown. I'm kind of just – I know he had a good night the other night, but I'm kind of glad that Bruce is out of here. He just wasn't it for me. Like, I, I, as a fan, rooted for him, but you could tell that he wasn't the type of guy that, like, you don't want to have that kind of guy in that situation. If if we're kicking the ball out to – to Royce or to Bruce Brown to hit that three, I have more confidence in Royce. That's a fu- it that's a Bruce he's Brown. a he's a fun college player. He's a fun player on like a like a team that isn't you know kind of expected to win the championship. Right. You know, it's not a coincidence they're moving the ball without James Harden either. You know, James Harden is a facilitator and he'll pass the ball, but after he's already dribbled twenty seconds off the shot clock, and yeah, we yeah. should take a second to acknowledge the fact that uh, the the Nets are going to get Victor Wembanyama. As well, I mean that's a <laughs> that that's is, a big that deal. Is, that is huge. That is he's huge. headed Him to Brooklyn. And DJ Warren will be killer. Yeah, uh, you know, but seriously, the Sixers are are, are a mess. Fingers I, crossed. Fingers I I, crossed. I think that's going to implode. I, I I don't trust either Embiid or Harden in the clutch. Harden or the other PJ day was, Tucker. PJ Tucker plays too hard to play oh, with those guys. I, I like PJ Tucker, but he's going to get mad at them, and they're going to hate each other because Harden needs um the space to operate, so he's going to need Embiid on the perimeter. He's not going to get the touches. If Embiid gets the touches, Harden can't play off the ball at the end of that game Harden wasn't even trying to score he was just trying to draw a foul that is going to be a mess it's going to be a mess <laughs> Dylan says how tall is Hudson Hudson still growing Hudson might be 6'4 because I'm I'm a good 6'2 and Hudson's like two inches taller than me I think Hudson's like 6'4 
Maybe with the hair six five. Don't see yeah, no, if, if, if I if I if I if I lift it up, I can get I can get six five six six on, <laughs> on a good day. I, I make sure because uh you know it, it's fun working with Keith and Robin both being credentialed reporters. Uh it, it, it's it's fun knowing that you know there's there's a there's a chance down the line where we might get to have some fun conversations with with Nets players face to face, which is always especially after COVID is something that would be really <laughs> exciting to do. Um, I gotta, I gotta, I gotta stand my ground there. I gotta, I can't, I can't make my, let myself feel too small. You know, I thought it, you were going to say the there's, a, guys. there's a chance that we end up on the, on the court. We might, might have to hoop. They might call us to some type of celebrity game this year at practice in the park. They had like a Instagram influencer game. Who I, I don't know. Who I don't those know. People were. I don't I'm going to be honest. Was, Could not name one of them. Couldn't that name was one the of them. first year that they did that. And I think next year they'll get some bigger names. Shout out to Shiggy and Rotimi. And I forget who else was in was it. Was one of them Fabio Foreign? No, but shout out to Fabio. <laughs> I got to talk about that. I don't think anybody wants him in the fan game. <laughs> oh, Fabio has performed at Barclays before. He went viral because you could tell, like, the audio, his earpiece wasn't matching the audio that we were hearing. And he tried to just make it through the performance. But it, it, it was bad. It was bad. But what I'll say is Fabio is a big name, and he's from Brooklyn. It makes sense to have him. I'm, I'm glad that they had him for opening night. Because Friday night, they had Kevin Rudolph perform. And Kevin Rudolph hasn't had a hit record since Let It Rock with Lil, Lil Wayne. Let's see when the, what year this came out. Let It Rock, Lil Wayne, uh, Kevin Rudolph. Most of you probably don't even know who I'm talking about. Let It Rock, Let It Rock, Let It Rock. 2008, that song came out. And he was the Friday night live performance. Uh, it sounded like it went well, but... Um, I thought it was hilarious that, like, you know how the internet works. They see a video of Fabio, and he's trying to rap over the beat, and he's off beat, and they're like, oh, this is terrible. It wasn't his fault. You weren't there. I was there. I literally was, like, on Brooklyn Nets radio with Capper and Carino, and I felt bad for him. I'm like, this doesn't sound good. They should uh... – I mean, it, it was it was really bad, but it wasn't his fault. Like, yeah. I, I understand people, like, thinking that that's funny, but it wasn't – actually. I don't think it was his fault. I didn't see it live. I was in that American Express store in Barclays where you can walk in with the card and just pick out what you want. And I was just like staring at this bottle of soda that was marked $8 and thinking to myself, like, I really want this right now. But like, because the burger was like $11, which is reasonable. So I justified it in my head. Burger plus soda, $20. Not that big a deal. I I think the food there, that's the deal. That's not the drinks. The food is is what you go for. I can't do it, fellas. Like I, I won't. I didn't buy a single thing in there. <laughs> I've been there a bunch of times. Whether I'm the richest man or the brokest man, just the principle of things being priced way over what they're actually supposed to be priced. I can't swipe my card. I can't buy anything in there. I'll go hungry. I'll be thirsty. I can't do it. Better you than me. Better you than me, Keith. All right. Now let's look ahead as we wrap up this first episode. Once again, Talking Nets is back. Robin Lumberg, Hudson Flynn joining me so I don't have to host every single episode on my own. And uh, it's a big week coming up, right? This is the first full week of the NBA. Not sure what my Yanks are going to do. They're up 2 nothing right now. They may be eliminated tonight or tomorrow. It's going to give me a lot of time. It was so cool last week to come home late after I did the radio, I think Friday night sitting in the bed or laying in the bed at 3 a.m. I go click through the channels and I'm like, oh, League Pass. I have League Pass. League Pass is back where you can watch the rest of the league. Like, Jacopotl, uh got to the line like 20 times. I was watching a little bit of that. Um, this is a big week for the Nets to build on what they've done. So coming up here, they hit the road. They face the Memphis Grizzlies. 
who they never beat. Nets fans know they're always a pain in the ass. Like it's just I don't know what it is with the Memphis Grizzlies. They're big. Um, they're big and physical. Usually, that's the. I mean, that's but, the. But it's, the even over the, the last like four years, the Nets just have not been able to beat the Grizzlies. They, they can't beat any team that has Valanciunas on it. I've decided. Allergic. <laughs> yeah, they're, <laughs> they're allergic to him. They're allergic to him. He's 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 he is the the perfect matchup nightmare for the Nets. It's hilarious. Nugget for you on this game coming up. Megan Triplett, who is our new Michael Grady, a uh, young woman who kind of is bringing us in and out of games on Yes Network. She came from the Memphis Memphis Grizzlies. She's from Mem- Memphis, so she'll be coming back home, and uh, she'll be on the call with Sarah Kustak and Ryan Rucco. And the Nets will wear their white uniforms out there. I don't know how you guys feel about those white uniforms. I know a lot of guys feel those uniforms are unlucky. But uh, John Morant went off for 49 points the other night, so they're waltzing right in to uh, FedEx Forum to face the Grizzlies. Not going to be easy. And then right after that, uh, not a back-to-back, but Wednesday night, you go to face the hated Milwaukee Bucks, and you already saw them in preseason. Giannis is a dirty player. He can't help it. He's just out of control. He, he's a bull in a china shop. We'll have to go watch the Nets face the Bucks again. And uh, I'm interested to see what the matchup looks like with this new Nets team. Um, and then... After the um, game Wednesday, the Nets will come back home for the second half of a back-to-back, and they will face the Mavericks, Luka and those guys. Uh, I don't know if you guys remember when the Mavericks came here last year and Spencer Dinwiddie, of course, was there to hit Mm -hmm. the dagger on us. And then uh, Saturday is uh, the Pacers game, but we try to have a podcast every two to three games, so we should hit you with a pod either after that Bucks game or after the Mavericks game, what are you guys thinking about this week coming up? Those are three playoff teams. Those are three tough teams. Those are three teams with superstars, the Grizzlies, the Bucks, and the Mavs. How do you think the Nets will fare in this first week of their full season? Well, you know, I, I think it's great that they're playing these games. I'll push back a little bit on Giannis being a dirty player. I, I know he came into Kyrie's I life. hate Giannis. Uh, he's a physical player. Bull in a china <laughs> shop is a good de- description. I, I'm with that. But, you know, he's an awesome player, too. And, and the Nets aren't going to be able to stop him. You you hope Ben Simmons is the kind of guy who can neutralize him as well as I anyone mean, can. I if, mean, if, if preseason is precedent, Robin, you know, wasn't too bad. Honestly. No, he did well against him. A week ago. It's a trial by fire for the Nets, which is good. Because here's the thing. If the Nets have any personal or professional pride, they're going to respond at the beginning of the season like they did in that Raptors game. This is going to determine for us, I think, this stretch, what kind of season we're looking at. And I'm not talking from a record standpoint. It could be one and two. It could be two and one. But it's the way that they they handle themselves out on the court, the way that they respond to runs, the, the way that they you know take a punch, the way that they share the basketball, all those things. I'm glad that they got a tough stretch early because I, I think we'll know what this team is about after the first week of the season. Yeah, absolutely. I think uh, the Nets the Nets also play the most road games in the Eastern Conference through the first 20 games of the season. It's it's going to be a test, and I think that's exactly what the Nets need. I think with the NBA season being so long, I think there's a tendency for teams like the Nets with such high expectations that are always looking ahead to the playoffs, to the eventual championship that they're supposed to win to look over some of these midseason games. And I think that it's a great test. I know for a fact that Kyrie and KD are going to be amped up to play a young up and coming superstar like John Moran. I know 
KD wants to go back up against Giannis uh, after two, what happened two years ago. I, I, it's just, it, it's fact. And I think that that's something that we can pull a lot from as fans, but also that the players are going to pull a lot from. They're going to be able to look at these matchups and look back at them, you know, at the end of the season and say, okay, this is what we did. This is what we could have done better. And to get an early look at that, I think is huge. The other thing I'm going to say, slightly unrelated, there are some some amazing Nets fans in the comments of, of our YouTube right now. And they are talking about the most outlandish trade and sign uh, scenarios two games into the season I have I have ever seen in my entire life. I hear Mo Bamba and Boogie Cousins are coming to the Nets. Mm. And I just want I, I just want to speak to the Nets Nets fans directly and say, cool it. Just a little bit. Cool I, I'm looking bit. in the chat. I had to block that. Oh, that are you porn, gonna, you're, you're gonna bot. Yeah. the porn bot? I'm like porn bot 69. That's how you know we're doing all right. The first stream back, we got porn bot 69. <laughs> well, that's not not quite as fun as, as talking the, nets uh, on OnlyFans. Yeah. There was there was a there was a, a fake a fake Hudson in our chat. I remember back oh, when I, I was on the podcast him. last night. He time. made two accounts, oh, was, bro. He made he made so many fake accounts about me. I thought I thought that that was that was when I knew I made it personally when I have impersonators. <laughs> Boogie Cousins ain't an NBA player anymore. Just for all y'all who are, are saying that he just he he can't he, he can't, he can't play for the Nets. Yeah, he can't play for no. the Nets. And I, I don't remember know. talking about that. I think people were like, "Oh, he's got beef with Harden, and now Harden's not on the team." But I still don't want him on the team. He, you know, we got to see what these guys got. That's a good um way to to close this. And uh, me to throw in something else I had in my notes. So all eyes on Steve Nash, all eyes on these rotations and these timeouts and these adjustments. After they got smoked the first game, you saw a big change in the second game, right? A couple guys got DMPs that played in that first game. Kessler Edwards, uh, Edmund Sumner. Let me see if I go back to my notes. Cam Thomas. Cam Thomas. Cam Thomas is another That's a one. Big one. That's Utah, a big one. Um, and I know when you're getting blown out, you get guys off the bench. But like Edmund Sumner and Cam Thomas were up early in that first game. So that tells you they were part of uh, the plan in the rotation. Then they weren't a part of the plan against Cam Thomas Raptors. was our first our first guard off the bench. I was screaming for him to get pulled in that game. He, he did not. Be yeah, he didn't look ready. But yeah. I'll say this. When you look at a team that has OG Ananobi, Scotty Barnes, Pascal Siakam, Maybe and even Gary Trent Jr., Precious uh, Achua, like they, maybe they were thinking about size. There's a lot of talk about the Nets lacking size and not having the guys in the starting rotation or coming off the bench to match up against the Celtics. So I'm, I'm paying attention to who gets up, when they get up, and how Steve Nash deploys these guys, especially with help on the way. I saw someone ask about Seth Curry. Uh, he's out with the ankle. Uh, I don't know when he's going to be ready. They said he's he's expected to play at some point, but it's not known exactly when. And TJ Warren is on the mend, and he said that, you know, he feels good about his progress. So we hope to see both of those guys maybe next month, uh, but before sure the end of the soon. year. He, he sent out one of those classic soon tweets. So more help is on the way. Uh, we will see this roster. I know you guys are already thinking trades. I was thinking trades, too. I'm like, we need another point guard. Maybe another you know, big, <laughs> but that's what happens when you you see you know your team and you overreact right away. Uh, this will be a good measuring stick. This will be a good barometer for what the Brooklyn Nets have and don't have after we see them face the Grizzlies, the Bucks, and the Mavericks. We'll be back with another episode sometime between the um, second or third game, or maybe after the third game. 
whenever we can plan to get together. We're, we're going to try and do this with all three of us, three hosts. We appreciate you guys for joining and keeping the chat going. The chat was rocking. Tell a friend to tell a friend. Talking Nets is back. Subscribe to the pod. Uh, it's brought to you now by Odyssey. When you look for the pod, Talking Nets, look for the logo that says Odyssey, the old feed. I'm going to shut down. But you can expect to find us on YouTube, the same channel on Twitch as well. And like I said, every two to three games, we'll be delivering an episode. So you can expect probably two episodes a week. And this episode will get chopped down into smaller segments. Uh, it's good to be back. Any closing words from Robin, from Hudson, um, before we shut this thing down? You want to go first, Hudson? You're an OG. Uh, I, I like the I like the deference, but no, I I like the rotation that we have going on now. Uh, no, not not too much to say other than uh, I really appreciate all the support, all the love in the comments, uh, all of the love we've seen online. I think that's that's really awesome, especially after you know last season not being the most fun season to be able to hop back into it. You know, like like we never left, or like Robin isn't you know here on his first episode. It's it's been amazing. So thank you, everybody. Look, I, we all like talking about this team, right? Um, I, like I said earlier, I'm done with the hypothetical banners and all that stuff. So they got to prove it to me. But I, I, I think they have a high ceiling. They still, anytime you got the the kind of guys that they have on the roster, you, you've got a chance to have a, a special kind of season. So you know that's that's what I'm hoping for, and that's why I'm here. Yeah, and uh, you know, piggybacking off of what Hudson said, I I know that this community exists. I know that there are Nets fans that listen to Talking Nets as their podcast, as, you know, they follow us on Twitter as their source for Nets content. That's why I didn't let it die, and we're back. So uh, give us some time to, you know, really get our feet under us and get this thing back rolling again and give the Nets some time. You know, they got a lot of guys that are going to grow through this season. Dayron Sharp is a guy I definitely need to see him grow this season. Ben Simmons getting back into the NBA. I, I can't wait till he feels comfortable and can get back to, you know, being an all-star. And, you know, it's going to be a fun year. We don't know if it's going to be a championship year, but at least this year we have a team, we have a full team that can develop chemistry, that can build so that when they get to April, they have all of these reps and experience together that last year's team lacked, that last year's team didn't have. All right, that's all we've got. Uh, we've taken up enough of your time, but thanks for joining us. Coming up, we've got three games this week, and we'll uh, deliver a couple pods as well. Make sure you're following us on Twitter, on Instagram, on Twitch, on YouTube. That's all we've got. We end this the same way. Let's go Nets. Let's go Nets. Bro.